talking about the first three verses. And we were talking about this idea that um, in the desert at night, the pre-Islamic Arabs would, you know, ask these, these jinn for help. And it's interesting, this idea that the jinn, the idea of the jinn used to exist prior to Islam. Uh, and the Qur'an comes and speaks of the jinn as well. Uh, and in regards to the jinn and these things about the world, the unseen, I think it's just better to just stay away from it, mostly because we just don't understand. Trying to rationalize it is not something that will lead one far and it will it tends to kind of <laughs> it tends to kind of uh, make it difficult um, especially if you have a rational interpretation of most things I think the Quran and, and Islam in general is r- rooted in rationalism and is rooted in reality and the, you know, the laws of physics and you just have to remember that there are certain things that the Quran and God talks about that is without, you know, not within that realm it, it exists in this unseen realm and so um the, the laws that we know of, you know, the natural laws that we know of just simply don't apply to it. So just let those things be and uh, time will give you those answers. So there's more things to focus on rather than, you know, these kinds of things. Um, so, uh, again, the, the apparent interpretation of this verse, and from the evil of the darkness, evil of the darkness when it enshrouds. Ibn Abbas and Qutada said that this is, you know, Night has a relationship with danger and crime and this kind of thing, and from that we want to seek refuge in God. From um, later, later commentators um, came to this idea that okay, we already previously acknowledged that God is the Lord of Falak, which is this Lord of combustion and recreation, and then a return kind of process. And they say one of the byproducts of this chemical type reaction is um, this idea of of like an evil byproduct that's released uh, when, when one is like growing and becoming better or whatever uh, or or even otherwise as one I think like the, the idea I think I've made this metaphor before this idea that we come from a different dimension and become as pure you know souls and this world is like this world of impurity right um, and these impurities slowly begin to grow within us and it's not until we become older and we are aware of these impurities or at least we're being warned about them and we receive guidance that we say, okay, we need to make sure that we like run a scan and see, okay, how's my soul doing in this respect? How's my body doing in this respect? You know, and try to see what are these impurities that we have, we have gained and try to limit the physical impurities to, you know, in, in a way that we're taking care of our hygiene and taking care of our health. And then also in the spiritual aspect, we're able to go and constantly review ourselves and see, okay, am I doing the things and avoiding things that will uh, endanger my spiritual well-being, for example. Um, and so what the commentators kind of brought forward is even if, so think of like an ink blot or like a splatter paint or, you know, if, if something, have you ever had like a, a pen that has a lot of ink in it and you like press it down? on a piece of paper and it kind of like has this slow kind of spread, you know, it has a leak. It just goes into like all of these little divots and crevices that exist in the paper. Or even this idea of um, this idea of like the the spread of night. It's a slow, it's, it's like when it happens, you're like, wow, that happened fast. But in the moment, it's just this kind of slow, creeping, kind of ominous, beautiful nonetheless, but like this just, just slowly growing. And their idea is that Okay, not only is this a physical thing, but this is also something that's happening within your own soul. And these types of evils are something that 
you're not really aware of until there's like a really traumatic event that maybe brings it to light, you know. Um, it kind of harps back to this idea that, you know, no, no sin is a small one, you know. Even the smallest of sin, or the, rather it's the smallest of sins is the biggest of sins because the small one you think that is not as important mm -hmm. as some of the big ones, you know. And by accumulation, you can suddenly, you know, find yourself in a way that you're in a form of habit. You've formed a habit that's really negative, you know. Mm -hmm. I think like a really good example is like backbiting, especially like in our culture. Mm -hmm. um, in all human cultures at this point, I think probably realistically, but we kind of are used to backbiting in a way and we don't realize that it's something that we're doing until it's too late and then you kind of like play back in your head and you're like, wait a second. We were all, you know, we were all lighthearted and we're all friends and we don't really mean anything, but nonetheless we were backbiting, right? And, and we know it's a really detestable kind of activity. Um, so it's, again, it's one of those things that only over time that one does it, do they feel, do they then realize, or if you get called out on it, for example, or like speaking about behind somebody's back, again, something that we all do, and we're not aware of it in the moment, because it's something that we've done so many times, that it's just become a proper habit, right, but if somebody comes and grabs you by the scruff of the neck, and like, hey, you said this and this and this about me, and then you have that sudden realization, of, oh my goodness, I've been doing this for so long, and you're super apologetic, and you try to change your ways, so what you're trying to do is, you're taking refuge in God, from these kind of creeping, you know, rotting uh, evils that exist, you know, that exist in this environment and they, they latch onto you, whether you want them to do so or not do so, like we are not protected from them. And this is God here telling you, seek refuge in me mm -hmm. and I will protect you in that kind of thing. And then he gives you obviously guidance in the rest of the Quran, what kind of things, for example. Our prayer is supposed to prevent us from evil doing and wrongdoing and harm and this kind of thing. If, you're, if we're praying in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects us to pray. Forget about you know, the aspect that it's something that we owe him uh, as a duty. But again, God doesn't specifically receive anything he doesn't receive a pleasure, uh, you know, some say this, but he doesn't receive any sort of benefit uh, through our prayers. We're the ones that receive the benefit, right? The acknowledgement of Tawheed, the acknowledgement of all these, all these other things. And that this, uh, this acknowledgement that our prayer is going to prevent, um, you know, the growth of these, you know, negative evil type of, type of um, cancers that exist, spiritual cancers that exist within us. Mm -hmm. And we've all seen people that have gotten so far, like a, imagine like a, I don't know, like a stage four evil kind of thing to, to borrow like a terminology, where there's just really nothing you can do anymore. I mean, there's certain like sociopathic kind of narcissism and that kind of thing. These aren't psych, psycho, um, like, uh, they're not psychiatric issues, right? They're not actually like imbal chemical imbalances that are just genetic or something like that. These are things, these are behaviors that have occurred mm -hmm. over a generation of time and maybe even they inherited it from the behavior of their parent uh, and they've learned that and they've continued this practice. There is no way you're going to stop a pathological liar from simply like acknowledging that they're a pathological liar, right? I mean, it's just, it's paradoxical in a way. So these are the kind of things that we want to be aware of, we want to know. My grandmother always would say, Learn your, learn your proper behavior from those who don't have it, right? So you, you see that, you're like, this is an ugly behavior. I want to do the opposite of that because I want to be beautiful. That's always our goal, right? So, okay, so to kind of like wrap this all together, I just wanted to do these three verses in Falaq uh, and super in-depth. I think like we got some of the real good parts down. Um, we'll come back, but I think even though we didn't quite get to it, um, we 
you spoke a little bit. Huh? You want to go over four and five? I think you should go over them quickly if possible because they're important for the discussion. That sure. So from the evil of those who like blow, blow upon knots. There's this idea of like this voodoo magic kind of thing that existed in, in, um, in pre-Islamic times. God knows really for how long this existed. And where it came from, I don't really quite know. I will tell you up front, I personally do, do not, not that it matters what I believe, but I don't personally believe in magic in any sort of way. Uh, I don't believe in not, I'm sure you can you know, blow a knot uh, until you're blue in the face and it's not going to have an effect, in my opinion. Uh, especially if you, you know, are taking protection on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in general. Um, so the, the view of the rational school, uh, the, the, like the older rational school, not the newer rational school, the medieval rational school was magic doesn't exist. It's not something that God would make. It doesn't make sense. Why would he do this? Why would he subject us to this kind of thing? Why would he subject his prophets to this kind of thing? Even in the Quran they cite, for example, uh, Musa alayhi salam when he goes in front of Pharaoh and confronts the magicians. The magicians, you know, do this uh, conjuring of sorts that makes it look like they're snakes. But then we later found out that this is some like chemical reaction. It's not really uh, any kind of sort of miracle or anything like that. And then Musa alayhi salam, you know, throws his staff and God wills for something else to happen. <clears throat> so that's, that's the idea of the medieval rational school. The, the, the new age rational school also accepts this idea, but they also throw a caveat in there and they say, it's possible that this kind of idea of blowing knots is akin to this idea of somebody who kind of affects you in a negative way. So imagine um, when we talk about, well, energy, energy, for example, is one thing. But again, they say this is the world of the unseen. We don't quite know that, that sort of thing. Perhaps it's real. We're not going to like knock it. Yeah. Um, you know, well, you know, in general, you want people that have well wishes for you and you don't want people that have negative wishes for you. It's just something, it's not a good energy to be around in general because it doesn't make you feel very, not a good feeling. Mm. But they say uh, that's probably not what these things result from, you know, negative behaviors and negative things happening in your life likely don't come from there. What they do say, though, is there could be a psychological type of reaction in one's mind um, coming from like, negativity so somebody says my goodness you are very ugly and you you know uh you know like <laughs> and somebody tells you this for like <laughs> you know we just want to get something that you know we're all terribly afraid of right is to be like my goodness like could you be any more offended i feel like that would be more hurtful to me and someone's like you're ugly it's like my goodness i'm taken aback by your hideousness i hear this from all the time this is a real thing i really felt like this is one thing that we can all like as human beings be like who wants to be the ugly one nobody wants to be ugly they want to be beautiful that's i think it's like a normal human thing so there is a way to like really affect somebody's like self-esteem right and really hurt somebody and somebody can really internalize that and that can become like the way that they view the world it's like i'm an ugly individual or i am a, a hateful individual or i am i am a sad individual or i'm stupid or whatever it is i'm not smart enough i can't do this that kind of thing can have a reaction in one's mind and it can prevent you from actually like realizing your poten your potential and your potential is are you know what god has uh entrusted us with and ha has promised us that we are made with this potential of the you know of the perfect stature um, so that mental aspect of somebody who can be trying to drag you down by telling you things that are, are not true and you accept them as true. Or how about a modern day example? Something like 
um, the difference between so we know very well that unfortunately in the Muslim community there exists this problem of um, spiritual abuse uh, or even perhaps like sexual abuse within the community um, that's another example where uh, I think this difference in power, that power gap, that falak between the power, that's another interesting connection I guess that falak is a really hurtful gap of power that exists between you know teacher and student or spiritual guide and seeker uh, and that results in really lasting damage uh, not only like psychologically and not only physically manifested but also spiritually it really kills um, the the vigor and the fervor that people have for religion and Islam and like uh, the Catholic Church is another one that, that has this problem. You know, these young innocent boys uh, take a liking and take you know s some sort of solace that uh, you know priests or whoever it is that's in charge of their church uh, is is looking out for them, and they end up taking advantage of them and and really harming just this idea of God and religion and this mm -hmm. whole thing. And when when they see this kind of like pollution. People don't want to, you know, if, if you see like some dirtiness in the pool, you kind of don't want to get in anymore. You're just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of situation, right? So that's just really rough, um, just recognizing that, that that exists. And I think it really gives a lot of meaning um, to, to this chapter in general, that this is the way that you can interpret it. Um, just b besides the fact that, oh, when it gets dark, there are dangers out there. I mean, it's a great thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our protector, and we all know that, and we don't take any other protectors besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we constantly are trying to remind ourselves that He is um, He is everything, right? And so He is everything to us, especially. So constantly remembering Him is always a good thing, even if it's on that superficial level. But a step further, it's a good idea to like kind of take on board this idea of the rational school where they say, magic, probably not a thing, almost certainly not a thing. Um, and if anything else, this idea of blowing on knots, this negative energy, this negative whispering that people come and try to manipulate mm -hmm. uh, in you is something that you need to be aware of. You need to know it exists and you need to not only pray to Allah SWT that he relieves you from these types of people and these types of energies and these types of manipulations, but you also take the steps. But I also think right. it's important to recognize that like something that we always remember is that the Quran was revealed to yes all of us but also like spoken in the language of the people of the time and so if people had a very strong understanding of magic or a belief in it um i think it's a possible understanding that Allah subhanahu wa was speaking to them through the lens through which they could comprehend this idea sure so like like because our <clears throat> historical cultures have such an emphasis on like magic or evil spirits or like, things like that and like you know needing protection from it it's not to say that, like, God met them where they were at, but perhaps, you know, expressed something that people were already fearful from and then told them to seek refuge in, through God yeah. versus trying to counteract the witch knots and the yeah. magic and things like that. Sure, 100%. Yeah, I think um, this is one of the verses that the... Um, they used against the rationalist school and they would say that this is proof this is god saying magic exists uh and he's promising you in fact that magic exists and this is something that you should protect yourself from by seeking uh, god's refuge 
And this is where the, the modern rationalists kind of like have to reply. And they're like, well, it doesn't necessarily mean that magic exists. It just says that there could be psychological effects uh, from, you know, really negative manipulations that, that come out. But I think 100%, again, this is part of the beauty, I think, of the Quran is that um, it doesn't, no matter what, it doesn't fail. I think the interpretation, whether it's the old interpretation, the immediate apparent kind of literal interpretation, there is positive there to be taken from it, right? And if it's a more of the rational, more modern kind of understanding, again, there's positive to be taken from it. Nothing really changes in one's uh, faith if, if suddenly it's proved that magic doesn't exist because you have this other idea, right? And it's like, okay, it had to come in this language to a people in a time and it had to make, se make sense to them. It wasn't coming here to completely change, you know, um, you know a society's culture where something is, is a staple, you know. They didn't... God must not have thought that it was that big a deal to come and be like, oh my God, there is no magic. Please, like, stop saying this. Okay, so that's that. Um, 30 minutes. 30 minutes, so let's, let's have a discussion then. I mean, do you want to just do the quick explanation? Oh, and from the evil of the envier when he envies? Yeah. Um... Yeah, again, this is this is one of those that there was a little bit less, I think, again, one of those exclamation type verses that I, I call, it's like, it's like a punct or a punctuation type of verse that comes to kind of confirm the end of, uh, an ayah comes to confirm the end of the, the general surah, to wrap it all up. Uh, and kind of just the idea is, I think, is almost evidence for the, the rational school on the verse prior. That idea of the envy is that negative energy, and that negative energy can manifest in a way when people say, you know, they speak about you negatively in a way, and that can really hurt somebody. Um, in the in the age of social media, one negative comment on, you know, your page, and you could go all day thinking about it. It could really hurt your feelings, and it really does. I mean, like, I think that's a real thing, and that could really, like, in, you know, by accumulation, could do real nasty, awful things um, to one's mental health, and that's definitely something you want to avoid. That's really all I want to say about that. I is there anything that you want to say about that? I no. Um, you got there was a article that was shared that was supposed to supplement the second half. Of it was this discussion. very dense and scholarly. Um, if you didn't get to it or through it, like that's totally fine. But I think it's um, important having the basis of understanding of the surah in order to have the discussion that we're trying to have. Um, I like it. Yeah, so what do you think about it? I mean, I like the, I guess, I guess you can say this with like any interpretation, but I like the kind of process, like the thought process that they were walking you through of like, this is why, you know, these things are this way, I yes. guess. So I, I liked it. Do you want to give a recap quickly of the discussion or the, the article yeah so there's there's certain ideas in here that are interesting that the overall argument that this individual Arnold Yassin Mole makes um, is that people tend to think that modern Muslims have a modern interpretation that rejects uh, based on science that that tends to reject certain things in the Quran like magic and Jin possession and this kind of thing, yeah. uh, and he comes forward to like set these apart and say this is not necessarily from the last 20, 50 years even. This is from 
you know, 100 years ago and maybe even hundreds of years ago, in which then he comes and he, like, gives you a list of different scholars, for example, uh, very well-respected scholars, mind you, that have rejected this kind of anti... They took this anti-sorcery stance altogether. Um, so of, like, the more medieval scholars, one of, one of them is Zamakhshari, who's a famous uh, commentator. He was part of the rationalist school, died in 1144. Uh, Ibn Hazm also was, he was part of the Dahari school. Uh, it's mostly obsolete at this point. Uh, he died in 1064. And then um, from the more of the modern people, Muhammad Abdul was 1905. He was an Egyptian jurist, um, Al-Azhar, and he was very, very well, well known. Uh, student of Jamal al-Din al-Afghani. Uh, Rashid al-Rida, who died in 1935. Again, another anti-sorcery type of individual who took this idea. And Sheikh Muhammad al-Ghazari, 1996 is when he passed. He was born in 1917. Uh, very, very well-known Egyptian jurist. Uh, and known as like more of this, they classify him as Salafi, but I don't really know if that f fits anymore. I would I would c call it like a, a modernist of sorts, uh, uh, just like this this type of rationalism that's rooted in the reality of the laws of, of physics, uh, and then also separating the alam shahada from alam al qayb. You know the the um, how do you translate that? Alam al-Shahada is like um, the world of the seen and the world of the unseen is the So Shahada is like essentially to witness or al-Ghayb is what we is the beyond essentially. So this is a pretty standard Ashari view. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what that um, these are the, those types of scholars and he makes that argument and then he briefly like kind of goes through um, the rationally where schools go to so like the rational school is is a school that believes in hard natural law uh, obviously anti-sorcery anti-magic anti-jinn possession anti all this kind of thing the first thing they say is god only does good and he's he is incapable of evil he's incapable it's just outside of his characteristics and his honor to be engaging in evil second point god made the world to benefit humanity third point God would not make the world to benefit himself because he can ne neither be hurt nor he can be increased in anything. Fourth, God would not create the world to cause pain and suffering needlessly. It's not something that he would take enjoyment in. Again, something that is uncharacteristic of, of a God. You know? God is only just and therefore creation must benefit others. That's our job then because God has that inherent justice what we are then sent to do as his khulafa, as his representative on earth, is to uphold this goodness on his behalf. Okay? Then the, uh, the Asharis and the Maturidis came. These are, these are uh, not pure rationalists. They mix rationalism into some of the arguments, but they don't like this idea that the rationalists make when they say that God is incapable of X. You know? Even if it's God is incapable of evil, this bothers them. Uh, and they say God is omnipotent. He knows everything. He can do everything. That's the first basis that we're starting on. Whereas a rationalist says God is justice. God is bound by justice because he chooses to bound himself by justice. And that's the whole idea of Islam for, for the rationalists. Here in the Ashari view and the general, you know, the Jafaris accept this, the Wahhabis accept this, the Salafis accept this. You know, everybody typically uh, accepts this. The rationalists, the modern rationalists are the only ones that kind of are like on the fence about it. They say, yeah, the idea is God can do whatever he wants and he will do whatever he wants and he doesn't owe anybody an explanation. That's fair, right? So God is omnipotent. Um, two, he did not need to provide us with guidance. 
three, but he did. Uh, and because he did, we can rely on that kind of guidance. And thus four, we use our reason. Uh, so that's it, they're replying to the rationalists. We do use reason. We use reason about good and bad as a basis for divine law because of God's purposeful, um, uh, I think I wrote here, meaning? Yeah, because of the, the meaning, the purposeful reasons that God has, has put forward. And fifth, God can alter his creation at any, at any time. So he says, that they say essentially that, Yes, there are physical laws that we are aware of and whatever exists, but we believe, in, we believe in miracles. And we believe that at any time, God can simply do whatever it is He wants. If He wants there to be a massive explosion out of nowhere for no reason, then that's what He can do. If He wants to split the moon in half, then that's what He can do and that's what He'll do. If He wants to split the sea, He'll do that, you know, etc. So that's just the general difference between the two schools uh, in regards to the sorcery thing. What I think is super interesting is, what do you guys think about the hadith that I opened up with? And Ahmed, because you weren't here, and, and that I don't remember if you were here. The general idea is this hadith exists in multiple sources that um, one day some man from Medina or Mecca, I think that this is saying Medina, which also again goes into conflict with uh, the idea that we believe that, that Falaq is a Meccan surah. So, the idea that this happened in Medina is you know, suspect, unless there is saying that this happened multiple times. Idea being this, that somebody some bewitched. Believe it was some do believe that, yeah. There's always some difference in opinion. Um, the idea is that the prophet was subjected to a spell. He got very ill, not in the narration that I read, but the other, other narrations, he got very ill, he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, he was just super confused, he was you know, delusional, and God forbid, and um, he, he performed actions, that, or he thought he performed actions that he couldn't remember performing, uh, and he was super confused and all of this kind of stuff, and it wasn't until uh, they suggested that they have to go and find um, the spell that was bound on him and it was in this way of like knots that they had tied knots and they had whispered some incantations and they had thrown into this well and they had to go into this well and, and uh, you know pull out these these knots and, uh, okay so clearly by my voice the way I'm telling the story you can tell that I'm skeptical of this but that doesn't mean that um, the rest of you have to be so I'm just interested in the idea do you think it's it's problematic? About, and if and if you think it's problematic, and you can add to this, and if you think it's problematic, why? Well, how about let's start with: Is everyone has any everyone been familiar with this as a? Is this something you grew up knowing or understanding no. or something? No. Oh wait, what? That the prophet. That the prophet had been put under some sort of spell through yeah. nodding yeah. of yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. So. You were very believed. I've heard the story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's like part number one of like mm -hmm. recognizing how much this concept has like either permeated in some sort of capacity or whatever. Because I think if you've heard that and then you have believed it up until even this point, um, it might influence how you believe in magic or the possibility of hasad or nazar mm -hmm. or ayin or whatever or however we talk about those types of things you know when something immediately bad happens it's like ayin but like that's like this baby kind right that's just someone yeah. who like looked at you sideways yeah. and like didn't say mashallah versus the person who like goes out of their way to like find your hair and tie it in knots yeah. and do something crazy like those are very I feel like it gets different away. things yeah. right mm -hmm. and so like that was just my like preface to just like recognize like did you believe it before does it impact the way that you've acted 
or believed how the things in your life have occurred. And then to follow up with Cheyenne's question, how do you feel about it? The Hadith in general. I believe it. Okay. That's your initial inclination. Because I don't see it happening in our day now. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't seen it. Meaning that it's uncommon, yeah, this idea. That's, yeah, that's just how I am. Okay. Like, I just don't. Fair. So we got one, one no belief. So, I don't... <laughs> A little giggle. That kills me. <laughs> I don't... I don't... I believe. Because I've had it happen to my family. I am a third party person, like third party storyteller. Like, yeah. I've, I've been, I was told the story, so I don't know, but like the way that it sounded, it sounded definitely like black magic. Mm-hmm. So if it happened to my family, like, why would they lie? Sure. In my mind. Okay. Um, could there have been a logical explanation? Probably. But I'm open to the idea of black magic. That's fair. In our culture. In our religion. Open to the idea is fair. Yes. And I'm open to being debunked by logic. I love that. Well, that's good. Hafsa, I don't, I don't need to ask fair. you. Do you believe in magic? Our resident Daisy. <laughs> so I want to preface it by saying that a lot of these beliefs in magic and how possession is manifested in South Asian culture is influenced by our surrounding like religions and mysticism Um, it comes a lot from like the stories and like the way that it's the stories are retold um, and the way that it is conceptualized for us to understand is the way that it's been told in Hindu like theology or in Buddhist theology Um, and so they are these stories that sometimes are a mix of culture and religion because we see them culturally happening and then we take them and apply them to how the Quran may have interpreted it, right? Or, so, or how we would have interpreted this, the, the Quran. And so I think that Muslim South Asians um, like hold on to it a little bit tighter because of our culture mm-hmm. um, and its proximity. And a lot of it is, is just regional proximity mm-hmm. to growing up with those stories. And so like we see somebody who may or may not have had a mental illness, we blame it on possession and then in Hindu um, theology it is one way and then we use our Quran to back up what we believe it to be because you know may it be the radical stigma against mental illness where we don't want to believe that this person is suffering from a psychological issue Mm -hmm. so it has to be something supernatural Um, or it could like just be another explanation of like someone's weird behavior and you just don't know how to explain it so you blame it on magic right yeah um that being said my opinion of it has a lot to do with culture and a lot to do with my interpretation um because i'm not a literalist when i read the quran but i do take a lot of it with i i am in in some regards so um, I do believe in those supernatural stories and that just has a lot to do with my faith because I need God to be supernatural. I need my, pro- my prophets to be more than human, if that makes sense. And I know that kind of mm-hmm. sounds a little blasphemous, but they were better than me and it was something that I'm trying to achieve. They were closer to divinity than me and it's mm-hmm. something that I'm trying to achieve. And so that supernatural element adds that extra yeah. layer of like, this is... Like- Confirmation. This is confirmation. Mm-hmm. So that's where I stand. Okay. 
Two, two contestants left. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's really tricky because, like you said, I feel like the way that culture works is that they use the Quran as the basis of like anything that is wrong or they're not sure of or there's no reason why it would occur or no one can like figure out like anytime something breaks in my house my mom's like in and I'm like okay it could have just you know been clumsiness but it's okay <laughs> so it's like you know it's just this idea of like I go back and forth and kind of like with what Dennis said is like there are things especially when you go overseas that you hear from people that you find to be rational sound individuals and you're like intelligent and, yeah, like people who would detest this Right. with logic and you're like okay you know if they bought it eh, suddenly it, you, you it puts pressure question, on you, yeah. you like it plants a seed of doubt where you're like okay what if I was there and I did witness you know XYZ how else would you reason with it so I feel like it's like I don't usually I, I would say 90% it's a no but then there's that 10% that's like I'm willing to hear it, but yeah, I would have to also debunk it with some logic. And then to like, sorry, to no, Jenna's point earlier of like, Muslim being the baby, but there's just like way too many times when someone like says something like, oh, I like your earrings, and they didn't say mashallah, and then your earring fell out and broke, and you're just like, hmm. <laughs> right. so, so, how many coincidences occur okay, before so, it's so not? For what I was saying in terms of like the, the baby magic, like, I, didn't, I didn't mean it in that term, but what I was saying is that I have a strong belief in that in energy as a, a like a cosmic force that exists. Absolutely. Um, separate from all of this like joking that we do about like my zodiac and this and my astrology blah blah. Like, like yeah, no, 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 I'm not even talking okay. about that. I'm talking okay. about like truly the energy yeah. that a person emits. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, there is something in your gut that tells you when you're meeting a person if they have good energy or they're kind or they're no, whatever absolutely. or if they're like toxic negative people like that. That is something that I believe wholeheartedly, and I believe that the, I believe that the energy that you put out there is something that you either can receive and can be like, it can affect those around you. So I think a lot of, I think the difficulty, like you guys said, is that you hear, I don't know, maybe I like ended up in a wormhole of watching too many exorcist movies or too many like exorcism videos or people like throwing like zemzem or water or whatever mm-hmm. on people. Like again, I know so many of those things can be like attributed to like mental illness or they can be attributed to literally just like situations that have other explanations but it's almost easier to make them supernatural so I know that that line exists um I think the more that I read into stuff like this the more that I am comfortable I'm comfortable saying that I don't think people can break the barrier of the supernatural to harm people I do think that you can be a bad person and your energy can harm other people. Okay. I think that, like, I, I believe in, like, manifestation in a certain way. I believe in, like, you know, the power of, like, positive thinking and, like, envisioning certain things. I also okay. believe in the power of, like, negativity and how it can affect your entire life about the things that you choose to do. I think that, like, the more you focus on things, the more apparent they become. And so, like, I think those types of things can heighten our understandings so you believe in them separate from religion though like or i guess yes okay so i, I believe that when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to read things for our protection um that the protection that we receive from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala isn't necessarily like a force field yeah. or a bubble mm-hmm. around us i think it's more of like positive energy maybe but also more of like 
anyone closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more like the closer you are to the divine, right? Because the divine has energy, mm-hmm. right? And so the closer that you are to the divine, the less likely that your energy will be mixed with proximity, proximal negativeness. Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like there is we're going a, towards this. Like, light. there is a level. Like, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you, like, walk towards him or come towards him and things like that, it's almost like, again, I don't like to be the literalist, right? Because it's not like a sprint to the finish right. line type situation. <laughs> but what I am saying is that, like, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you to come towards him, it's because there is a hijab between humans and God. Like, there is a certain level of hijab. And, like, the things that we do... A barrier of sorts. Yeah, a barrier, mm-hmm. sorry. So the things that we do are the things that are supposed to knock down that barrier in mm-hmm. some capacity. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the source of all beauty and the source of all light and the source of all goodness, the closer you get to that light and love and goodness, I think the less likely... Mm-hmm you're going to be affected by the minutia of the energy that's negative around you. Not that bad things won't happen to you. They're mm-hmm. going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. But it's just how you interpret them. It's less likely that when someone's really mean or nasty or whatever that you're going to feed that into that energy. I see and I think saying. that's where sometimes the <laughs> concept comes. Like do you know what I'm saying? Because I've been in that situation before where I was like like literally like I just broke out. Like do you know what I'm saying? Is this a joke? Like someone just like looked at me for too long? Is that, mm-hmm. And I'm like Correlation, not causation, all the time, maybe. Probably. So I don't know. I think that's like, that's a good summary mm-hmm. of it all. <laughs> no, I'm totally, I'm totally yeah. like. No, I'm not coming for you at all because no, no, I think no, no, I've no. always go there. Like you know what I'm saying? Like something happens, and we're talking about but crack and exit intersections. No, totally. Like yeah, I know. Cops are like sister. Never been. So I guess I could never say be about it. <laughs> say it with you, Jack. Say it with you, Jack. So um, this, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was like, it's one of those things where I feel like as much as we or it's one of those things where it's like we are oh yeah we understand like I understand the logic of it and I know that everything is there's a layer of logic with every of everything mm-hmm. that we're saying and um, or like with Mazar like, like sure. there's, a, there's a logical explanation for it all mm-hmm. but then at the same time I also feel like there is comfort in thinking the supernatural like even from the positive sense like oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. Even positive believing like, in god is like blind faith like yeah it's well, even i'm i'm just even talking about the ritual of it like so for example every every day my mom will of the house and like yeah that's a ritual there's no meaning behind it that's true mm-hmm. yeah like so, but it's like it's on the opposite. It's a cultural plot. Yeah. I mean, even the Arabs at the time knew that it was it was a scent thing. They just liked incense. <laughs> yeah. No, she literally goes like this. <laughs> like, yeah, we do this too. This is yeah, spitting thing. You know, so, they'll come in the back yeah, and they'll like whisper like, no, some sort of like. So nice. I'm gonna do that so for you. Thank <laughs> From like actual like oh, get rid of nothing. This is what na- nafathat, by the way. Nafathat is 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 that. Blowing the without the spit, and there's another word that's a blowing with spit. I can't remember. I've never I had. Been re- spit. I, <laughs> I can't relate. This thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I remember seeing that as a child though, and thinking, "What is this? Right, exactly. <laughs> this is this what is just very oh, like this silly right. culture that my parents come from. Clearly, this is coming from a place of." Uh, what is it? I don't. I couldn't even tell if she was trolling. To be honest, like, I know. Does she really believe? I honestly she? think there's nothing sweeter. Then, like, someone, of like... Course, of course, she's calling yeah, like, for you. No, I know, but I don't even think it's silly. Like, I think it's so oh, really? sweet that someone was what? like, 
I don't know, like whether or not it does anything. Okay, like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. like the no, not even bahul or stuff like that. It's like there's nothing the sweeter to me than like someone <laughs> holding you and like touching your head and like doing the whole oh, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like I think it's that so is so full of love. Absolutely. Yeah, like do you know what I'm saying? Appreciate the incantation. It's not yeah. even the inc- It's not about an incantation. See, I'm always like heaven, heaven. Why would you call it that? I'm saying that there's nothing. That like someone in that moment is like, I love this person. Yeah. I care about them, and this is how I'm. This is going what I know. Express. Yeah. 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 Or they're gonna get paid. That's the <laughs> route that I love it from. <laughs> Never mind. Plot yeah. twist: They were just whispering "expecto patronum" over and over. Again. <laughs> Whatever. I just think it's sweet. It's positive it is, it energy. Is. Yeah, yeah It's like equivalent of giving love. you a granola yeah. bar before no, you leave so the house. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the way she understands it. Interesting. Have I been like, how many times have we talked about just like the way that we feel love or the the way that we give love or, or like, and the way that yeah. like, when I when I hang out with Jenna, I just feel so much love and it's mm-hmm. just so positive. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like I continue to come around. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. It's or, for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, fair. That's so, all fair. And it's, and it's that, it's that simple gesture and and if i knew the words well but i like alf marra like <laughs> you know cuz i spit on her when she comes up <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> it just doesn't have to mean anything at the same time you know i can literally be a go cultural thing <laughs> <laughs> like it's just the meaning is yeah. there no it's totally and fine it's all yeah. just positive energy but at the same time like there is that negative there there is still that negativity that balances it out mm-hmm. like yeah. We know those people that they don't even have to say anything. They just kind of like, oh my god, hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just think the overall, the only real negatives that I see, I think, mm-hmm. no. The only real negatives that I see in like this belief, like a, a steadfast belief in sorcery or magic or anything, is that sometimes it's a turnoff for like modern Muslims of today. Because yeah. we are inclined to just more rational kind of thought. Mm-hmm. and science and this kind of thing and so when there's like yeah i know uh imagine that <laughs> no but like just like hearing and, and thinking this idea that it plays like such a big role or like you keep hearing about it because it's something that we're constantly like uh, muslims will talk oh, about yeah. jinn and we'll talk about possession they we'll watch that video magic and like oh my god did you, did you yeah, see yeah. it when she took his hair and yeah, blah blah, yeah, blah yeah. and all this and the, oh, you know I this do. can be kind of like a, okay here it is again more mm-hmm. of this like irrational superstitious right. talk yeah. You know, I don't need this. Yeah, I can just be. No, I understand that for sure because I think, in the aggregate, when it's like, if you already have doubts about certain things, mm-hmm. and then you're looking at this, your faith in any sort of capacity, and saying like, this is something that's like barbaric, or it's mm-hmm. old, or it's like yeah, outdated. It's outdated, yeah. and it doesn't actually apply to me. And then you see somebody who's like, well, yeah. In addition to all the things that don't make sense to you, by the way, like. Mm-hmm. hide yourself from the sorceresses like right. i get yeah. that yeah i get that immediately because and it's it, just adding to I the think, kind of yeah, i think the reality is that sometimes we don't look at our faith as experienced by those who don't buy into it right. does that make sense mm-hmm. especially like, if you're not coming also from like a middle eastern I'm, I'm, south yeah. asian I'm culture sometimes we don't we don't examine our faith from the lens of those who don't Got it. Accept it fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like and the so like, only people putting it out there are the right. people who are fully 100% yeah. invested and in And so it. if you're like fully invested in your faith, then like some of the fun little nuances, we're able to just like, you know, like chuckle at them or like whatever, even if, and not examine them too heavily. But for those who are struggling within this space, um, it doesn't really take 
much of the yeah. fantastical to push you out or not push you out like push you just further away from it or at yeah. least like just well, a doubt right that's like, a doubt yeah. is an issue who, who had to learn it and, mm-hmm. and that's something that I always appreciated about Islam is that there was a there's a large layer of like science in Islam or science logic logic yeah. it's logical and mm-hmm. I am a logical person so it, it a lot of it just made sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The I feel like this mystical stuff. It's it is, it is more cultural than it is Islamic. Um, or perhaps think, even yeah. like Islam may have taken on board the cultural. Yeah. Right? So so one part yeah, that cultural. I think is important to mm-hmm. address, and that, the part that I really liked about the article, and I know we're coming close to the end, and we kind of got a little bit sidetracked. Sidetracked, but um, there's a part about. So we all talked about, like, do we believe in this hadith or do we accept this possibility? The of this hadith happening? being the one that... The one that um, prophet the prophet had been. been under some sort of influence of, you know, spells or black magic or whatever the case is. And we all said, like, no, because that isn't something we've seen. Or Did maybe, we all say no? No, I, I think we said, how do we feel about that concept? And the answer started coming from, I haven't seen something like this, so no. Or I've experienced something like this, so yes. But the question is a little bit separate when it's like, do you believe that the prophet... Muhammad saw could have mm-hmm. possibly experienced something like this separately from what you've experienced mm-hmm. or what you haven't not experienced but would have been put, would have under, been put the... under some sort of situation yeah. and I think the part that was interesting to me which led me farther in the direction of like this stuff is like out of bounds is that if we are to believe that the Prophet Muhammad was this pure in terms of revelation right the idea of like infallibility is something I think we struggle with a little bit but at the very least, we can all agree that, like, he spoke of nothing but revelation. When he was when given he, the Qur'an. When he was yeah. given mm-hmm. the Qur'an or whatever the case was. Um, Not of his own volition that he did he speak, he spoke on behalf right, of Right, he spoke on, he was a walking, talking Qur'an. That's like, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a fun little phrases that we use in yeah. t- terms of these spaces. And the idea is that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entrusted the greatest of mankind to give his message, and to give his message in the most clear and, like, you know, palatable way possible would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even open up for the possibility that his messenger who was carrying his message Mm -hmm. could have been influenced by something like magic and that's the bigger question here because the idea is that we are taking our faith aside from just the Quranic understanding of it, right? We believe that the Quran has been untouched, unbiased, but who do we get the Quran from? We got it from the Prophet Muhammad through Angel Jibreel and then it was transitioned to us. And then we have, you know, sayings of the Prophet and a hadith and his sunnah and his sirah and all these types of things. Could there have been whatever this time period, I don't even know if this narration like specifies like if this I was think, like I think a couple days, was it a month, was it a week? Oh no, it was an like, extended whatever period of time. Whatever the idea is. Yeah. The idea is this person who we take our faith from, like our tr- true faith, could they have been influenced by another human being if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was essentially protecting them? Because he had to protect his tongue at the very yeah. least. Do you this know what is I'm not saying? the only type of thing like this. There is also this no, idea no. that um, in Bukhari, Sahih al-Bukhari, there is a narration that talks about how the Prophet was influenced by the devil. And the devil informed him of some verses and told him that these are verses of the Qur'an and he believed, the Prophet believed that indeed that these were verses of the Qur'an and he, he, you know, he like released oh, yeah. them and said these are verses of the Qur'an and then suddenly God had to come in and say wait a second, you've been overtaken by the devil 
na'udhu billah and these verses have been deleted and everybody forgot that the whole thing you know about this whole thing but yet it was recorded as a historic event that has taken place and the chain is good and strong and all these kinds of things they're like yeah like by hadith terminal by hadith sciences or whatever this is you know a strong uh, possibility that this event happened but again like this is a really problematic i mean at this point i don't think there are many too many people that say like uh, this doesn't you know it doesn't really quite follow and yeah. i think the reason that we feel that way right is because we rely so heavily on the prophet muhammad for our faith mm-hmm. like you know what i'm saying like he was the best of mankind he's the person you're supposed to be aspiring to be closest to like all these types of things and to have the possibility that this figure the central figure in our faith could have been influenced in some sort of capacity by someone who decided that you know today i'm gonna blow some a couple things on some knots or whatever mm-hmm. seems like something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not allow to happen yeah. because it would possibly taint his message. Yeah. It's just like an just based on what the hadith is saying, like it's just a weird like of all things that he could that the that the not blower could possess him to think about or whatever. It's just like that's why that? Point. Yeah, like why that? It's always it. These types of things tend to somehow try to embarrass the prophet in a way, mm-hmm. and that's always very embarrassing, like awful. And like the unfortunately, these kinds of things show up. I mean, there's another. Uh, we can talk about these hadith all the time. This is my favorite thing. But like, there's like <laughs> there's this hadith that like Musa alayhi salam at some point um, goes to take a a bath in the you know in the river, and he lays his um, clothes by this rock. And then, you know, God forgive me, but nonetheless, uh, he comes out of the, the river and the rock comes alive and decides to, to take his clothes. And Musa alayhi salam is running after this rock. Uh, and b- prior to him going to the river, you know, as he was getting undressed, everyone was like, have you heard that, you know, again, forgive me, Musa has, you know, enlarged testicles. And he's he's suffering from this. Well, I'm, this is this isn't Sahih Bukhari. I mean, I, you, you don't give me looks. So I'm just I'm I'm trying to illustrate a point here, right? Yeah. He, has, he, has, he has this problem, like whatever it is, like a hernia or whatever, and they're like ah oh, laughing at him, this kind of thing. Uh, and then thanks to this rock, uh, I guess the idea is that God wanted to prove that Musa didn't suffer from this uh, ailment, okay. and so he enlisted this rock to steal his clothing. And Musa's running after it, you know, like cursing at the rock, like, how dare you take my clothes, mm. you know, uh, to get his, recover his clothes. And this is Right. Yeah. So, like, clearly very problematic. <laughs> yes. Clearly, like, very outside of the norm of, like, physical possibilities. Yeah. Like, you it's know, it's just like not within the... Maybe. It's just it's out of control. And, and then, but, but again, like, it has yeah. that embarrassing element, right? right? Like, it's trying to embarrass and, like, kind of bring down the level of the, the like prophets respect, yeah, yeah. Like, you know it just because no one wants to standpoint, yeah. i would need to understand the context of like the time period of like what <laughs> he's like what is happening because to me it just sounds like a dream that he just wanted that they wanted to explain yeah maybe yeah I I, it's very common in a hadith that there were many um individuals and unfortunately some companions that like were storytellers and like they became storytellers yeah. and and a lot of them are very poor and yeah. it became a way of and arabs love stories i mean it's just yeah. the way that it was you know we still you know uh, arabs and middle easterners yeah. in general yeah we love this Magic. kind of thing it's yes. exciting right 
And so people would come and like, obviously, who are the characters that are always talked about? The prophets and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they would kind of weave these stories into this kind of right. thing. And whether, you know, we'll leave it as to whether they meant for it to be recorded later in history or not. And like yeah. it's to be taken seriously not. or not. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully not, right? Not. Yeah. Um, and these kinds of things would result and they will show up sometimes in our hadith books. And right. We just kind of have to like, you know, yeah. know to remove them mentally and then also be aware of them because Islamophobes will point to these and, yeah. and, and mock us and say, you know, here That's it is, ridiculous. this is what your prophet does and this is, you know, yeah. you know, this kind of thing is super problematic. Right. And what's crazy too is like you have to think of it kind of in the context of the time of like, think about, for example, if all the people, if we took all the Facebook posts from today and we printed them out and put them somewhere, <laughs> Would that be, like, just everybody? Yeah. Is that always going to be, like, there's no necessarily verification in, like, sources of legitimacy. And, like, if you just took everyone's telling of, like, what happened when the tornado hit or something like that. It's going to be... It's all hearsay kind of Exactly. Like, it's very hard to kind of... Difficult to verify. Exactly. You can't verify it. And, I mean, like you said, there was storytelling and things that entice people Mm -hmm. are things that are yeah questionable but believable enough so Definitely. yeah well i think that in general the hadith sciences are super interesting it's fun yeah. to like discuss even in a way but um the most important thing is this idea that uh the prophet was constantly mocked and was undermined mm-hmm. and was called names one of them being like sahir or mashur even they would say like the one that had been fallen victim to magic right yeah. and so like when this kind of story makes it into the hadith literature one has to think, okay, where is this really coming right. from? I doubt that it's Aisha that's, uh, you know, really narrating this. This yeah. could be coming from somewhere else. Somebody who wants to lower the, the status it's of the status. prophet yeah. in order to improve the status of somebody else. Right. And I'm implying the king of the time, you know. Mm-hmm. They will do this kind of thing where it's like, oh, the Anbiya, they were just people. Exactly. Not only were they people, here, let's find a way to, like, ridicule them and, right. like, make them look lesser than they were, you know. So these things pop in there every once so in a while. So how does it make it to be like a hadith? So um, the way that like hadith sciences typically work, um, things are narrated or things are classified. Well, as, I think, are you, sorry, are you asking like how does this make it into the book? Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm yeah. answering. Sorry. Um, They're just making sure. Things are classified as like strong, you know, moderate, weak, otherwise, right? But the classification of strong, moderate, weak, and then essentially like completely fabricated, like the way that those rankings go is by how legitimate the chain itself is doesn't necessarily mean how legitimate the actual wording of it is. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's like you get a strong lineage of uh, of this saying or of this action based on was this person actually alive at the time that this was said were they a truthful person answers yes all right move on and so like it's like a almost like a checklist we call it al midrajal right so it's like a checklist that Mm -hmm. goes through this thing so like the reality is is that you're left with a lot of things that are fully true right like good characteristics of the prophet like uh, sunnah that he did like you know ways that he acted things that he said to people you're left with a lot of that because of the science itself but then you're also left with things that just because the they, chain is they, strong. Just because the chain is strong does not mean that the content is something that would be be like worthy of what 
the prophet's character yeah. is based on the things that we know about him as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then, so it's more about just recognizing that your, the, the, the strength aspect of it or the fact that it exists in a certain book is in order to, in my opinion, to demonstrate that those who collected these things did their due diligence in general. Mm -hmm. That they said, this came to me, I am going to evaluate it based on the metric that I have ap applied to everything else. It was science for that reason. Like That's the reason we call it hadith sciences, because it's not up to the scientist mm -hmm. to throw out right. evidence as yeah, it applies. You just collect the data, yeah. right? So, yeah. Sorry, so then can you repeat the hadith just because like... Yeah, paraphrase. I can paraphrase. The, the paraphrase is the idea that the prophet falls ill. Um, and the angels come over him and they're speaking to each other. The prophet is, is seemingly in this state where he's like unable to like respond or anything. Mm -hmm. And so the angels are asking each other, what happened? Who did, who did this to him? And they say, this specific person. Uh, and so they name this person. And they say, oh, how did he do it? And then the other angel responds and says, he did it by blowing on these knots, which was this Semitic Jewish practice that, you know, existed in this mm -hmm. time, uh, like a form of witchcraft, witchcraft that like existed. Uh, and so this is, this is the way it was done. And then it's like, oh, where, is, where are they now? It's hidden in the, you know, and then luckily in the, the prophet is like just awake enough hearing all of this. And they've put it in this well in this such and such a place. Uh, and then when the prophet like becomes well enough again, sends a companion to the well to go and recover the the knots and then to bury it and then to you know read over it like um, surah al-falaq or i assume uh, and because it wasn't what he was going to tell them to like read an incantation over it or something mm -hmm. definitely not mm -hmm. uh, and then buries it and then immediately the prophet comes back to life and feels all great again and jolly and moves on about his day and you know have been de debilitated for like a week or something something ridiculous like that Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, the idea is that there's multiple things in the Quran that talk about um, the fact that the Prophet is protected against mankind, and he's protected against falsehood, and he's protected against even لا يفلحه الصحر. That's uh, verse sixty-nine, chapter twenty. Um, so, like th these kinds of things. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Is that um, the prophet will not be affected by magic? Is is not to be? It's not for the prophet to be affected by magic. So there, are, there are these elements of the Quran that come and override the hadith, and that's that's part of the way that we authenticate whether the substance of the hadith is something worth taking or not. Mm -hmm. Even if the chain of narration is something that uh, our muhaddithin have come and said are strong. We always have to check it back. If there's any sort of doubt, we need to check it back with the principles of the Qur'an, the ayat of the Qur'an, because they can never conflict. Um, so that's that. Any last things that you want to say? Because you don't want to go on for too long. Good conversation. Mm -hmm. I think it's just important um, to apply this type of metric. Again, like wh wherever you fall on the spectrum of like believing in the supernatural or, or the... I don't like to put supernatural and like natural, like nat rational on like opposite ends of the spectrum for whatever reason. But the reality is, is like whether you believe in the impact of otherworldly or other types of energy or whatever you want to call it on the rational, it's important to recognize that our faith demands of us a certain level of rational thinking. Like separate from all of that, like our mm -hmm. faith demands a certain level of rational thinking. And it demands for you to apply it 
um, to your life as it exists. And so, you know, yes, we're preparing for an akhirah, but we also need some sort of metric or guide to live by here. And where we are here is ten toes down on earth. You know what I'm saying? Like on this crust. And so it's just important that, you know, when you're faced with things in your faith, um, when you're faced with things in your faith, 